you have come to a place where all sports matter. And some sports just matter more than others. This is the LTV Sportscast. And now your host, Leighton. Welcome sports fans to another episode of the LTV Sportscast. Heading into game week 21, we are moving into the business season of the FPL season, EPL season. Better get moving soon and you're going to have to be picking up the pace. Again, before we get into the show, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show. So drop us a mail at feedback at latentv.com. Email will be in the show notes. And let's see where we can improve what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, so forth and so on. As well as if you'd like to be a guest, drop me your deets so we can make contact. Remember to follow us on Twitter at LTV underscore sportscast and or follow us on Instagram at, uh, you can search us as well as LTV uh, sportscast and that's S-P-O-R-T-S cast. Also, if you are jamming FPL, it's never too late to join the Pods Bragging League. The league remains open, it's free to play, free entry, bragging rights up for grabs, code 67VIZZ. Now, joining us on the pod today... And it's been it's been tough to get this man here because he's got uh, got some opinions. Manager Nash Pather, how are you, Nash? Good, thanks. And yourself, Leighton? Good All to find me on the show. Yes, it's about time. Now you have a history. Um, that, that, let's first off, you're a Chelsea supporter, right? Yes, okay. definitely. Now, are you going to miss the Frank? Was it fair? Yes. Uh, I, th- I don't know. I think it was unfair. I, th- I feel like he should have been given at least the whole season to at, at least see what he could do with this, the players that they, they went out and bought for him. If you're going to make him spend $200 million, um, at least give him at least one season. It's still probably short, but at least a season. Okay, I have a question for you. Just because we had Jay on the show the other day and he mentioned that he thought Kai Havertz is an absolute rogue for the English Premier League. Now, I know the game against Wolves ended up in a nil-nil, but yeah. Kai Havertz looked on it. Yes, 100%. I think he, I think he's going to take time to adjust to the league just like any other player would. I think if you look at other players that have come into the team I'm not comparing him to Hazard, obviously, but mm. if they also took time, Hazard, Mata, those sort of players take time to adapt to the league. The Premier League's a different pace. Coming from the, the Bundesliga, um, I don't think it's as competitive week in and week out. So um, it's going to take him time to adjust to that, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, you, you got a, what you said there probably hits the nail on the head, especially for United fans, um, considering the fact that and it has, we've seen it happen so often, a team at the bottom of the table taking uh, all, points, uh, all three points against a team at the top. 100%. And you don't see that in the Bundesliga. So, yeah. No, not, not, not very often. Okay, now and uh, now, just let the fans, so the fans know that the listeners out there know you used to hang out close to St Mary's. Is that correct? Uh, yes. So I was fortunate enough uh, last year to be living very close to St Mary's. Um, I could actually hear them when there was uh, when the games were on. I could hear them from my apartment. Unfortunately, because of COVID, I didn't end up getting to watch any games at St Mary's. Well, you would have watched the other teams come there and beat them because uh, I remember last season they had a very poor home form. Great yes, away I, form, but poor home form. So maybe maybe a bunch of booing and happy, unhappy <laughs> fans. And uh, for, from your experience, obviously living that close to a stadium and, and being in and about the fans that are there, 
how different is it for you over here to, or how are the fans different on this side of the world? Uh, that's quite a difficult question, actually. Um, I think the fans there are quite passionate. Um, you, you see, obviously, around in and around Southampton, a lot of the local people will support their local clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in that way, to personally, um, which I think I need to be watching a lot more PSL. I guess I don't invest enough time to watch uh, PSL here, the local football here, um, and maybe support the teams here. Who's Whereas your team that side? Amazulu? Yes, Amazulu is the local team here. Okay. So I don't obviously watch enough PSL I think I obviously should be whereas there I think a lot of the local people do support their local even if it's a little team they will support their local teams which mm. is something you won't really see here we watch a lot more uh, British football okay yeah but that's I, th- I think uh, they're, they're they're quite a bit more tribal in that sense, in the UK, yeah. that uh, that they do really get behind behind the locals. However, is the passion any different uh, for a fan that side compared to a fan, uh, obviously from the other side of the world? Do you, do you see any difference there, or or are the fans more passionate that never get to see the games? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's. I mean, we went and saw some of the games at Stamford Bridge and stuff like that, and on the way there, on the way back. All the streets, fans are singing, uh, chanting the whole way in the tubes on the way home, whether it's away fans, home fans. Mm. Um, I guess maybe because you can't go to the game, you can't create that atmosphere um, by watching it at home, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I hear you for sure. You don't get that opportunity to. Now, let's talk about your FPL history. Uh. Season <laughs> one, uh, the first oh, season no. you played. Now, just just so fans know that uh, that there is there there is a way to if you've had one bad season, it's probably never as bad as the two hundred sixty seven points you had in your first season you ever played. But you're probably going to tell me <laughs> that you started late. So go ahead, tell me. Well, I, 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 to be honest, I don't really remember the season. I don't think I want to remember that season. <laughs> I think mentally I've just blocked it out. Mm-hmm. But um, I think. I'd go with an excuse that I started late. Yeah, sure, no worries. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you've hit over two thousand points quite regularly. Uh, I see in your history, and albeit uh, your highest point haul for a season was last season, actually, um, with two thousand two hundred fifty-one points. But you, you ended up rank one thirty-one four hundred in the world, so one hundred thirty-one thousand yeah. in the world there. And your best season was back 2014, 2015. You finished 19,063 in the world. So, yeah, wow, that's that's amazing. You've been doing this for 12 years. Yeah, I think the first season, I think I started doing it when I was in high school. Okay. And I remember um, going to the library and you weren't obviously supposed to um, go on FPL. And I remember <laughs> a few of us used to just sneak on and chat about our team. I remember... Plays. I remember. I think Lampard and Gerrard at one stage were like almost fourteen and a half million. If I, I can't, I can't even remember. But I remember it being something ridiculous. Even Cesc Fabregas. I remember those mm. are the players that we were trying to all fit in at the time. Um, but since then, obviously, um, I've obviously learned a lot more about the game. I think I was, was very naive when I started. How you say that? But your your worst uh, season ever put you at one point four seven million. That's it. 
So you are a perennial contender, uh, Mr. Patho, and we're now going to pick your brain a little bit. However, this past weekend, you hit the world's uh, average of 42 points. What happened? What went wrong? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I like to take a little bit of risk now and again. So I don't know if uh, I can chat through my team. I don't really mind talking about my team, but I like to normally have a few core players, mm. um, whether they be midfielders, um, attackers, m- mostly midfielders, I think, because they're the most important for me. I like to normally have five midfielders in okay, my team. Okay, so three-five-two uh, is your chosen uh, formation. Yeah, even a, f- even a four-five-one, to be honest. I, I prefer to... Uh, if when defenders, normally defenders... This season's been absolutely crazy, but mm. normally there'd be a, a, a team who can get together some clean sheets and then you don't mind piling in, maybe um, doubling up on a defense or something like that. But this season, I think, as you said, three three five two. there's a lot of strikers that are available, cheap strikers this year, which I think that's been my downfall this season. I've kept trying to go for the more expensive strikers, hoping for them to to come through. And I went with Jay Seuss last week and... He obviously didn't start, yeah. and I was really upset because they played so well. So I thought, if obviously if he was up front there, he definitely could he definitely could have been involved in those goals. Yeah, for sure. Now I I, I nearly uh, did the took the Jesus plunge at a stage. Um, I think I can't remember if it was Jeremy. It was Jeremy or Andreas talked me out. I think it was Jeremy who talked me out of it um, at that time. But uh, it, it's very difficult now, especially considering the fact that Man City tend to be so solid in defence. Exactly, and and they have the potential to go off in front. Now, we you can almost be guaranteed clean sheets, or you feel like you can be guaranteed clean sheets by putting in City defenders, and then you've got your City wing backs, Cancelo being one of them. It, it almost seems like he's a must-have. Hundred percent. I think normally when I normally stay away from City players, so normally I would have De Bruyne in my team just mm. because he would be the most nailed on because of Pep's rotation. But this season, you've seen Cancelo and Diaz play pretty much every game. Now, obviously, Diaz is a centre back, but Cancelo bombs forward so much. You mm. literally, he's more like a midfielder. He's he's a midfielder for six points. I think it's six point. Is it six point five? 5.9 for Cancelo. Is it, it 5.9 for Cancelo? Yeah. That's quite a bargain. If you if you look at other midfielders, you'd be looking at midfielders in that price range, I would think. You'd compare him to that. He'd be getting your clean sheets, plus he'd obviously offer you um, some attacking assists yeah, and, and potential and goals. for goals. Yeah, and, and to, well, you're talking about midfielders. And back to City, I mean, the Gundogan, and I, I brought him in a while ago, um, and I think at that time I brought him in because I was just slightly shy of spending money on Foden. So I was like, ah, bring in the Gundogan and, you know, he's guaranteed to play, kind of has that vibe. And now especially with um, De, Bruyne out. De Bruyne out and I heard, yeah, Pep has confirmed that Gundogan will be playing. He comes in at, at a very, very cheap 5.6. He's even cheaper than the Cancelo. 100%. And... I actually, uh, that was actually one of my transfers. So funny enough, one of my, not strategies, but one of the things I do is when I watch, I watch a lot of the games. So mm. the eye test for me is is a very important thing. Uh, the, I do look at the numbers, obviously the underlying numbers, but I feel like watching the, 
a full game. I feel like highlights also sometimes could be very deceiving. Obviously, not everyone has time to watch every single game. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like you get the most out of it by watching the whole game. You see which players are really actually pulling the strings behind behind the game. And um, so I like to make my transfer sometimes straight away on that Sunday evening or the last game week. After that last game on that game week, I'll go ahead and make the transfers. And I obviously, so you're an early transfer kind of guy, though. Yes, and it's not even for the for the the extra money. It's it's just because injuries are you can't really account for injuries, can you? I mean, it's something that's so unlucky. It's something even someone getting a red card in a game you can't really account for things like that so i'm not going to play the game thinking if if someone gets injured what mm. about that i'll just have to react and take a hit on, on the on the day and i mean quite often i make the transfers and no injuries happen so it's it's a win for me yeah I've, for I've, sure if, if they go up in price then i've keep keep them so i actually had Saka in my team who got 13 points last yeah. week. I've been praising and the Saka, but I've taken, uh, I, I just haven't put him in because I've been looking at Arsenal's run and thinking, yes, they've got some tough games. Maybe I just hold off on the Saka and I disappoint myself at times. Well, well, I actually got rid of him yeah. uh, with Man United, Wolves, Aston Villa, as you said, Leeds, uh, Man City, Leicester, this tough fixtures for them so I've got rid of him and got Gundogan in as well no, not a bad swap though so I'm pretty happy with that I think the other change I'm obviously going to have to look at is Jesus just because I'm sitting with 9.1 million or I think he's 9.1 million yeah. so 9.1 million in a player I need him to start really if I'm going to invest that much in him well here's, here's a thought for you and just while, while we're mentioning it the I, I don't know how Lacazette is feeling. I, I know that he did take a knock uh, yeah. in the game, uh, but okay, given Pep, Pepe is in the midfield, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure what will, will happen over there. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of taking up a spot over there. But that Mikel Antonio for West Ham, uh, I know Liverpool are playing West Ham, but Liverpool haven't been that rock solid in defence. 100%. Um, I, I actually managed to double up on West Ham in game week 19, I went with Cresswell and Antonio because I watched Antonio play and so much of West Ham's play relies on him uh, mm. going through that middle. He's so explosive. I think he's really a good player. And Cresswell is a, a Benchelwell mode, a Robertson mode. They they like to all just bomb forward down the left-hand side. And, and West Ham, Moyes has done a really good job. I mean, they're sitting in the top four, I think. Um yeah, so, so number five currently right now. Oh, is it number five? Yeah, after, no, after the Liverpool-Tottenham after game. game. Yeah, so they, I mean, Moyes has done really well there. So as you say, I think West Ham-Liverpool is not going to be an easy game at all next week. And um, even though Liverpool played well against Spurs, they also looked like they could have conceded. And once Kane went off, I, I think that was very unlucky for Spurs there. Mm. It off. He, he does obviously it was two very soft uh, and that, again you're speaking about injuries and you're talking about cheap uh, cheap forwards when there's players like Kane you, you don't know how, how well he heals because that has been a problem for him um, he's, his left ankle has been was it left left or right ankle yes I think it mm. 
Well, I, I just know it is the same ankle. I, I know they mentioned that during the game that they said it was the same ankle that he has had a problem. I don't know if it was the left or the right. Yeah, so look, but once once that is there, you know, and, and it becomes a, a soft spot or a tender spot, you know, it becomes very difficult. Now, before we get into the game week, uh, ma- manager Mr. Nash Pather with uh, Mackey's Mob, uh, can I just go <laughs> through the, the current pod league standings? Number one, Justin Lloyd, Lloydie's Legends. Um, he's obviously having... Not a great time. I don't know if he turns on his t- his TV or on a on a Monday for cha- changes that channel to to the highlights channel because he he's not enjoying. That. I suppose some some uh, some consolation is the fact that Liverpool did beat uh, Tottenham. He he did hit a thirty seven point so it's another bad week for him. He's still number one in our league. Obviously, he's dropped now from rank uh, seventeen thousand four hundred to thirty one thousand one hundred. Uh, with his 37 points. Ryan Curry, who joined our, our uh, pod last week, or pod's league last week, he's had another fantastic week. He's just been doing the climbing. He had 86 points, and he's moved up now from 232,000 in the world to 76,000 uh, in his total points, 1248. Pumlani, he's uh, dropped out of position two. Um, he, has got, he also had 47 points. Uh, he's dropped from 84,000 to 90,000. And then Alex Walls with Wallsy's Wonders. Now, that's a man that uh, lives in Leicester, loves the Foxes, goes to the Foxes games uh, more often than not, except for obviously in the time of COVID. And um, he he has now moved up from 149,000 in the world to 113,000 in the world. And then rounding out our top five, Andreas uh, Killer, who's back in the top five, he also had 66 points, and he's moved up from 277,000 to 172,000 in the world. So he's continuing his, um, his climb. You're, you're on what? Where are you right now? About 800,000? Yeah, I think I'm 816,000. Okay, yeah, but you pretty much have you you spent pretty much your whole season nearly in the top million. I think the, the highest you got to was 400,000 when I looked. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think four hundred twenty thousand. That was in game week three. Hey, it counts, so. man. <laughs> so but yeah, was- since then it's it's been a battle. I think I've again getting just on average, just above average a little bit, and it's crazy. You get a couple points above the average, and you'll get a red arrow. It's ridiculous sometimes. Well, you see, and I'm going to tell you why, um, purely when I get into the top performers for the week. Okay, so top performers for a week, Ryan Courier, like I said, he had the 86 points, um, and he had obviously quite the jump. But the man who got the second highest points in, in our league is a, a man called Safisu Tembe. He's come in with 75 points, but he only started in game week 20. Oh, no ways. Yeah, so uh, Safisu comes in. So when you start, so he's obviously, um, when you're talking about getting, you're saying you obviously get above average and you get a red arrow. That might be the reason right there. Yeah. So new, new chap is coming in that could be starting on late game weeks as well. And then obviously there's, there's people that started at the beginning that have left their teams to rot. Uh, <laughs> yes. Alex Walls has come in uh, at number three with 66 points. Andreas Killer has come in with uh, 66 points as well. And then Chris Bridgel. And again, I've, I've, he's been in our top five performers before. And I, I really, I'm, I hope I'm saying his surname right. Right. He, he had 65 points. 
um, as well as Jonathan DeToy, who hit 65 points, and that was our top performers for the week. Now, Mr. Pether, time to tell us about game week 21. Where do we begin? Let's go have a look. Everton, Newcastle, midday game for, for Saturday. Everton at home. Yeah. Take us through it, your thoughts on the game there. So Everton haven't really been playing that well. That The games that I've been watching them, I haven't been really as excited as I was earlier in the season. Um, I think they had a lot of players where we could be interested in. Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, Luca Dean at the back. I just don't see them as solid as they were earlier in the season. Um, and Newcastle, they've also just been hot and cold. I think that's been the story for most of the teams this season. I think Newcastle, sometimes they look really solid and they look like it's very tough for them to be broken down. And in other games, after they've conceded that first goal, they just seem to, <laughs> I don't know, just... Well, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham, Brighton, the four teams that are beneath them have outscored them in the last five games. Newcastle have got zero points in the last five games. That's how bad it is going going there. Now they've got to travel, obviously, to Everton, who have got... um, I mean, they got the draw against Leicester, and Leicester is a tough team, regardless of the fact that Everton were at home. Uh, And they came away with a 1-1. Yeah, and Andres did mention last week. Um, he spoke about you know getting uh, James in, and yes. he he landed up getting a, a point haul over there, and he still comes in at a seven point seven million, you know, to to spend on him, and, and he he gave you a return. He that's you, you're 100%. almost you almost think that you're going to get returns from from Everton probably more often than not, but when you when you look at a game like Newcastle, especially on the the back of Newcastle's Death current form. form. Everton, again, another game at home. Newcastle obviously been playing a bunch of games recently. Everton did get that rest and now obviously they get to play again. So they might still feel a little bit fresher. The legs will the legs will definitely be fresher. And to you think that Everton are going to attack Newcastle and it might be a romping. Is this time to look at getting uh Calvert Lewin back into your squad? In front, his yeah, price I has think, been dropping. I think that could be a really good option, especially with the lack of Vardy and Kane, which are normally the premium strikers, being out injured. Mm. I think if you look, there's obviously um, Antonio, and then there's other lower bracket like Bamford and other guys like that. But in that bracket, I think Covered Lewin is definitely worth a shot. Um, I mean, you saw how how explosive he is at the beginning of the season, and yeah. once he once he gets in form, he can easily score two or three goals in a game. Yeah, quickly. for sure. And Newcastle does look like a team that you want to attack uh, for that very reason. They they have they have looked like you said. Once they get broken down, it, it it's almost inevitable to think that it, it's going to go south for them, south, and it's going to go south yeah. for them pretty fast. Uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry there. So yeah, give me a give me a score prediction there. Everton versus Newcastle. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with three one. Maybe Callum Wilson might get something. 
Okay. And uh, and your, your goal scorers or your FPL assets for Everton that you'll be recommending? I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, Luca Dean, and maybe Richarlison. Okay. And what do you think about uh, Sigurdsson? What happened to him? He only played five minutes and then... Uh against Leicester was 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 that at the end of the game I can't remember yeah I think it I think it was um yeah I think Sigurdsson obviously when he plays he's on a lot of set pieces as mm. well so he can be very dangerous but it's just whether Ancelotti will play him or not um with Decore Allen they've got other options in the midfield I think yeah and, and you can you can be sure that uh Ancelotti knows exactly what he is doing uh, he seems to have more of a plan than uh, Steve Bruce does currently at this point yeah. in time. Crystal Palace versus Wolves, um, both defensive by nature. Uh, Zaha keeps returning for Crystal Palace, and Wolves. You don't know where where they where they're going to get goals from. I think you're you're almost solely reliant on uh, what it feels like Neto. yeah Neto there, but by by that same by that same in the same breath. How is that any different for Crystal Palace and Zaha? Zaha, 100%. I think, obviously, Chelsea played Wolves this last week, so I obviously watched that game very closely. Mm. And as you said, uh, Wolves look fairly solid in defence, but going forward without Jimenez, with, without Jotson now, they look quite flat, and Neto was trying to do everything himself. Mm. And I think that's, as you say, the exact same for Crystal Palace. They look solid at the back, but going forward, Zaha is, is a one-man show there. So I think that game could be a, a nil-nil draw, to a be defender's honest. defender's delight, eh? Yeah, 100%. I think if, it could be a good idea to jump on some defenders if you would for either team. You're one of the first people to be on the show to ever talk to me about putting in defenders for uh for what would be the the easy return as opposed to uh, attacking players with the higher ceilings but yes obviously not everything can be all out attack all the time unless you're a man city 100% and I, I think just as we were saying these teams I I don't know if I could be mistaken but I think it's been quite a few games that Wolves has haven't scored a goal well, I'll, uh, yeah, you, you're pretty much right. They they drew nil nil. No, wait, sorry, West Brom. They they lost uh, two three to West geez. Brom. They did uh, lose two one to Everton. They drew with Brighton three three. Sorry, the goals are coming in for. Oh, them. they're actually conceding a lot of goals. They're, they're just conceding a whole bunch more. And yeah, we're, yeah, we're busy sitting praising their defense, but yes, they did. But they are a defensive minded outfit, they, though. Yes, I think they look more solid, especially against Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea are were quite blunt as well, but um, they look quite solid. They didn't really look too troubled uh, with Chelsea trying to break them down. So I think both teams are going to sit back. So it's going to be hard to see who's going to... Both teams like to play out of position, really. Mm, for sure. Yeah, especially get get a team coming at them and then hopefully get get an account attack but if both sit back it it can be it could be a snore fest fuck we could be wrong it could be a goal fest can you imagine <laughs> it really could but i yeah i would if if i had free transfers and if i was going to go for players and take a risk i'd definitely look at maybe a defender from either team take a punch on that for a clean sheet talking about another defensive minded the uh, team uh, when we start this one off um, they have conceded 13 goals all season in 19 games. 
uh, Man City. <laughs> yeah, Man City have been incredible at the back to think that they've had quite a few injuries as well. I mean, I know Liverpool have also had a lot of injuries at the back, but Man City also Laporte has been out and Diaz is new to the league. Cancelo hasn't been a staple before in Pep's team, so they've done really well to mm. to manage to keep a lot of clean sheets when everyone else seems to be falling apart. 100% correct. Uh, the last goal that they conceded was uh, back when they played Chelsea uh, at the, the turn of the year. So, so that's been quite a while. And also something else, you know, maybe worth mentioning, although they have scored 36 goals in 19 games, 10 of those goals came in two matches. Yeah. So they haven't been the highest scoring team, uh, although recently, again, like the, their form has obviously changed. Palace, they smashed 4-0. Uh, they got two goals. They, they beat Villa 2-0, and then obviously they got the five against West Brom. But prior to that, you know, goals haven't been all that uh, forthcoming. And that being said, maybe they had been relying too much on De Bruyne to create, and the pressure has been on De Bruyne. Now this injury might in some in some sense of the word, be a blessing for them because it forces the rest of their players to become more creative. Um, it opened up the door for players like Mares as well to to really shine. And and you know, I mentioned it to, again to Andreas last week on last week's show, thinking about bringing or I mentioned it afterwards. I can't remember about bringing Mares in, and and there was it was a goal and an assist. Yeah, it, it's it's what you it's it's how does that change? especially considering their opposition who right now have got uh, some, a little bit of momentum, if you want to call it that. Uh, Sheffield United have got uh, two wins in their last three games. They have beat Newcastle and they have beat uh, Manchester United. Yeah, 100%. I think the Newcastle game with, even though Sheffield or even though Newcastle have been so bad, I think Sheffield had been in the slump, so they needed to perform well to to still get those three points. Mm. Um, and then, as you said, building on that, they go and beat Man United, which a lot of people expected Man United to just easily win that game. And as much as I think City will, just because of their form at the moment, mm. I I think City will will win this game comfortably. There's always the upsets on the card. I mean, cards. I think Sheffield, if they if they sit back and and counter, they could really cause problems for City. But um, even with De Bruyne out, mm. I think City have so much going forward. And people like, as you say, Mares, Gunawan, um, Bernardo Silva is also starting to play really well again. Mm. Sterling, Sterling, yeah. I mean, we can never forget him. And then you have. Cancelo, their right back, who's also bombs forward a lot as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of players from City. And I think as much as I, I was happy for Sheffield to, to get the three points, um, I think City might just be too big of a task for them this yeah. week. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I don't think lightning strikes twice in, in the city of Manchester uh, for Sheffield United. I don't I don't think they get it done. Um, I, I think they got, uh, they went to, they went, they've gone to Manchester... And they've got as many points as they can get. And uh, this week, they're just, I think they're going to be a little bit humbled by the yeah. time they, they walk back. And that, that being said, it's not that I want to see um, Sheffield to lose. Obviously, being a Liverpool fan, I'd love Sheffield to do, do some damage there. 
I just don't yeah. see that happening. But their best bet is obviously to, to take whatever. You kind of look at it because you know that they're going to be playing on Tuesday night again. Uh, they're going to be playing West Brom and West Brom. Obviously, it's a six pointer that you know they're they're down there it's, in in it's a it's a basement battle. To to have do do you go out there and play your heart and soul against City and then possibly walk out with overtired legs, tired minds, um, a potential uh, mindset that it's like you know oh, you know we can't do it, or do you start? Or is this one of those things where you, uh, Sheffield United are saying, like, look, boys, we go out there, we, we get defensive-minded, we try to, we don't try to get too far forward. If we get the opportunity to counterattack, we counterattack. Otherwise, yeah. we, we lock up shop as far as possible and try to walk away at the point um, and then, you know, pour our heart and soul into the West Brom game on Tuesday night. Um uh, well, hundred percent. I think it depends on how their coaches think. I mean, obviously, with them getting the three points against Man United, it could the the players could be really motivated and and really confident, and they think you know maybe they should have a go at City. Um, mm. It could go either way. I mean, I'm of the thought of you, and I think if I was a coach, I would happily say, look, that was three points that we probably wouldn't have expected to get. Mm. Let's lock up shop here at City and make sure our players are well-rested for West Brom and where we can more likely to get the three points. Yeah, because, again, West Brom do play Fulham um, as well in the same time slot. and Exactly. And that's, a, again, so West Brom have got two very, very important games that they're playing back-to-back now. Um, for them, these these are these are games where West Brom are thinking they need to get the points. And I mean, if Sam Allardyce does what he does and he gets West Brom out of relegation, he has to look at these next two matches and go, you know what, it's six points or it's nothing, kind of thing, 100%. kind of feel for it. Um, West West Brom have got a have got a win recently. I mean, that was as far back as the. Uh, I think it was against Wolves. was against Wolves in the 3-2 victory. So they do know how to get the ball in the back of the net. Um, they lost 2-1 to West Ham after that. And then obviously they were smashed by Man City. And, and there's, you, it's like, although they, they were beaten 5-0, you never look at West Brom and kind of go, yeah, it's because they're completely terrible. You know, you, you always give the praise to, to City and things because you think City can do that to anyone. So it's yes, not, not a slight in West Brom's direction. Um, yeah, and I think I think just as you mentioned there, West Brom have scored goals, and it, I think to get out of the bottom three, the teams that end up battling in the bottom three are teams that can't score goals. The draws that sometimes aren't good enough, and at least if you score goals, you give yourself a chance to win games. Even if you do leak at the back, um, like Leeds play an expansive game that they, they at least give themselves a chance mm. to 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 stay up um so i think fulham are they they have also recently been playing really well mm. but a lot of theirs is also reliant on defensive games and you sometimes can't really rely on that too much because one small mistake one bad call that you might may, may think one var call could go against you and that's a goal so I think you can't solely rely on defence. And I think that's where I think West Brom might have a better chance than mm. Fulham of, of staying up, even though Fulham are so res- resilient at the back at times. 
I think that's always a bad tactic to have unless players are really, really good with concentration levels. Yeah, no, you're right. Look, uh, in the last five games, they both got the same amount of points. Uh, obviously, West Brom getting the one win. Fulham have got uh, the three draws. Three and prior draws, to that, they got yeah. four draws. So in the last, I think the last nine games, they've got uh, six draws and or seven draws and two losses. The, the thing is with Fulham is uh, there is an inconsistency about them. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, you're waiting for something to happen for them. And again, I know they're traveling to the Hawthorns here, and they're gonna, they're gonna, they have to be looking to get a result as well. I mean, it's just as important for them as it is for for West Brom. Um, they're sitting on thirteen points. West Brom are on eleven, and Brighton, who they've just come off a draw against, you know, sitting on eighteen points. If they if they want to get out there, they're gonna have to reel in um, to reel in Brighton. So that means they're gonna have to get the points here. Because their next game, they do play They play at home, but the, the Foxes come in, so Leicester are coming in to play them. And are they looking for three points against Leicester? Probably not. Maybe they're going to be Probably trying not. for a draw, but they have to be looking to travel to West Brom, and they have to be looking for those three points. No, 100%. Score I prediction. I'm going to go with West Brom 2-1, I think. I think West Brom will take that one. I think Fulham will get broken down there. Okay, unfortunately, for for, for we'll have a we'll have a little chit chat about this one. I feel slightly different. I think uh, I think Fulham get this get this one done. Um, I do think they win by probably a single goal, and I do think Lookman is going to be your man to get in there, and he's he's a steal at five million, especially again if he does get involved in in the goals. Um, or the potential of the goals. Talking about must-win games, Arsenal continue on what is potentially, you know, they're they're gaining some momentum. Yes, they did land up having that draw against Crystal Palace, which was out of sorts in in their recent games. They have been good in defence. They have been getting forward, but yeah. they they are at home. To Man United. Man United obviously coming off a loss now. That's something that they want to fix and they're going to need to fix in a hurry. Um, although Fernandez has been blanking, so to speak, the last couple of weeks, he is still instrumental in the play. And it's one of two things that go slightly different uh, in the open play. And, you know, Fernandez is getting an assist, uh, possibly getting a goal, but he's always possibly getting a penalty. Arsenal. Yeah have been pretty decent in defense and they're starting to get the goals going forward. Yeah, I think Arteta has brought in some of the young guys for for Arsenal and especially going forward, Smith-Rowe, Saka, mm. those sorts of guys have given given the team a bit more life. I think um, the older guys or the, the Williams, even Pepe, Sometimes they're not as explosive um, as those younger guys. They can't get up and down as quickly as them. So I think that's had a big role to play in Arteta's game, both going forward and uh, obviously defensively with Partey uh, coming back from injury. Um, and I think with Man United, it's it's been the same for most of the teams this season, for both of them. I think they've had their ups and downs. 
Um, well, Ars- always, Arsenal looked like they were going to be fighting relegation uh, at Christmas time. Earlier, <laughs> 100%. I mean, um, a lot of my friends are Arsenal supporters, so that would have uh, really made me <laughs> very happy to yeah. see that happen. You, you're a, a Chelsea, Chelsea man. Yeah. As well. um, <laughs> but to be honest, uh, you got to give Arteta and Arsenal credit. Um, they've, they've come back really strong. And as you say, defensively is something you normally don't associate with Arsenal, but they've, they've been really solid at the back. No, it, it has been working for them. So it's going to be tough for, with that mindset that Arsenal do have, it's going to be, this is going to be one of United's tougher, tougher games because they're going to have to break down a team that's not coming at them. Yes. Uh, as often, like you are saying, uh, that uh, say, for example, take the Liverpool game. Liverpool uh, create uh, gaps in the back when they bomb forward. You know, they win that all out attacking pressure. Arsenal don't do that by nature. It, yeah. it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, happen to, it's not their style of play. Yes, not recently. And, mm. and I think also ha- having no crowds in there is a big part to play. I mean, Arsenal playing at the Emirates. Normally, if you if if you come across a lot of Arsenal fans, they're real purists of the game. They like the passing game. They like to see their team go forward. And I, what I is, that, is that the is that the fans or the players? I think maybe a bit of both. Uh, I think especially across my friends and the people I know that are Arsenal fans, they really enjoy the passing game and mm. they do enjoy that. And I don't know if there were fans in the stadium, if they would be able to play this way without the fans getting on their back um, quicker with them wanting to mm. press higher and actually instead of them sitting back, they'd have to try and play. So Arteta has been probably a bit lucky that he could afford this time to, to do that that sort of way to play. Yeah, that transition um, away from from a Wenger style, a French flair, uh, flowing football. Yeah, that is something that uh, an Arsenal in full flight is 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 probably some of the most attractive world football that there is. And I know you're a Chelsea man, so you're very much defensive minded from your Abramovich days. So one nil, one nil. Arsenal would rather probably lose three uh, nil and look amazing than win one nil and look poor. So, no, hundred percent. And and I'd rather win trophies than play nice football. Okay, that's it. Shots fired. Um, <laughs> if you're an Arsenal fan out there, uh, and Nasha has told me that he takes nothing back. He's standing by his word. He's a Chelsea man, and and. Uh, at this point in time, I'd just like to point out to you um, that you are sitting currently on 30 points. Which is equal with which Arsenal. Which is equal with Arsenal. <laughs> so, I they are looking much better than us at the moment as well. So <laughs> as much as I'm firing shots at them, they, they are looking good. And I mean, to be honest, I don't really like both of these teams, but both of them have good good players and good qualities. I can see Man United... Um, having a comeback from their last defeats, obviously, especially mm. with the quality that they have. I mean, Pogba seems to look like he's gotten a bit of form. Um, I think Cavani might be a better start at number nine instead of Marcel. Um, I think Marcel he looks a bit flat. I feel like he seems to complain a lot in the field if, he, if things don't go his way instead of uh, you know just putting his head down and I think Cavani might be a better fit for, for is this that, weekend. Is that not nature of um, you see that a, a lot in sport these days? 
uh, that prima donna type thing? Is it is it that are they being paid too much money, and they're forgetting what this is all about? I I I don't know. I think it's just if you look at certain players, if you look in the same team, if you look at Bruno Fernandez, even Rashford, who's young as young as as Martial, mm. I think if he loses the ball, if if someone misplaces a pass to him, he's not going to really sulk about it. He he'll put his head down and work back for the team. And I think that just comes down to the specific player, maybe. I think. Yeah, but that but the Rashford, the different different mindset. I mean, what he does off the field is is. Is, is amazing um, and that's that's part of his character so there's a fight in him um, I, I'm going to the general young uh, footballer these footballer, days yeah. uh, super no, superstar it, it's it's a very soft uh, prima donna um, woe is me life's not going my way kind of thing which is unfortunate because you're talking about Martial and you've seen you've seen the the flashes of brilliance in him and the f- the fact is he probably gets in his own way more than he mentally is in his own way, which prevents him from being the superstar he thinks he is. Yeah, 100%. And it, I mean, everyone's heard about Cristiano Ronaldo, but even recently, um, I think Douglas Costa was saying how, you know, like he arrives at training, Ronaldo's there before him. He leaves, Ronaldo's still there training. Like it's incredible. Mm. Just Some players want to be the best and some players have talents and, but he's been like that from from his youth. Yeah, I, I know yes. the, of stories of uh, of him. Uh, what is it that he, when he was still back at Sporting, that he would cry for his family, but, and he couldn't sleep at night. So what did he do? Is he took out the he went to go practice free kicks. Twelve years old on the field alone, middle of the night because he wanted to be better. He knew what he was was there for. So, yeah, uh, cha- champions rise above the challenge. Um, Yes, back to back, back, back to what we are saying. Uh, talking about the challenge, yes, and Arsenal, Chelsea uh, being on the same points. Is it more important for you as a Chelsea fan to be in front of Arsenal, or is it for United to drop points so that you can that you you assume because they're only ten points ahead that if they drop points, they're only and you get the points that you've only yeah. got seven to catch up on United. Yeah, I think to be honest, I'm happy for a draw. Uh, I feel like United will definitely drop points late in the season. I feel like their squad isn't as strong as as a City, as as a Liverpool, mm. um, and even as a Chelsea. To be honest, even though Chelsea haven't been playing well, the squad just, they of players mm. is really good. Mm. Um, so I think when it goes late in the season, when they're playing Thursday nights on on in Europa, and then having to play again in the weekend on that Sunday game, you normally see the teams drop off performance. Um, so I think I think I'll, I'll I'll go for the draw in this game. I think that would be my prediction as well. A score draw definitely. Okay, score draw, high score, low score. Any score I will think, do? Yeah, I think I'm hoping for a high score, 2-2, just as a neutral, well, not as a neutral, but as a Chelsea fan. But for watching the game, I think 2-2, exciting game. Mm. FPL assets you've got in any of the two teams? Yeah, so I've actually got Bruno. As you say, Bruno is the heart of that at that Man United team. Um, and I did have Saka last weekend, even though he had that big haul. Mm. Um, I, I just think with their fixtures coming up, I... I 
even though they're in good form, I think I went with Gundogan instead for Man City. So I would I would definitely have a go with Saka if you do have the funds. If you have him, I would definitely keep, keep him. Um, I think Rashford might be a good good bet for Man United as well. Um, but I don't I wouldn't bet too much in the defenses. I don't think I think we're going to see some goals, even though both these teams. Uh, are sometimes good defensively. I think we'll see some goals. Okay, I I, I don't necessarily think United are, are good defensively. I, I think they have obviously outscored uh, their opponents more often than not. Case in point, they are sitting number two on the table for that very reason. Um, they don't have quite the same defense that Arsenal do yeah. have. Uh, I I I do. Th- I, I mean, obviously, I. I do hope for for um, Arsenal to get the points. I do think Arsenal are going to get the points, but I, I do hope for it as well. But I do want, just because I have Bruno Fernandes in my team, I do want them to to get in there and and get uh, get those goals. And another thing, I just want to go to back to Mason Greenwood, and you were talking about you you saw him finish uh, in the FA Cup against Liverpool, yeah. and then he had relatively the same. Uh, a very similar opportunity against Sheffield United, which he didn't finish, and and the man looked bleak. Yeah. So uh, mentally, as as a young man, and that maybe has been the reason why. I don't. Oh, I don't know if it's because Oli hasn't been starting him, or, or he doesn't feel that uh, Oli has faith in him. Um, and I think Jeremy alluded to that very early on in the season. Feels like he's he's not letting him free to go. Now, is he not letting him free to go um, to play more often because he's he doesn't feel he's mentally strong enough or has Oli actually broken him down that there is a lack of confidence um, because he isn't, because he feels he's not trusted by the manager. Yeah. I think especially with a lot of the young players, especially with Chelsea, I mean, obviously with Lampard and in his season in charge, the first 12 months he had to, he was forced to play young players and, Mm. and you even saw Tammy and even Mason Mount, their forms do dip, the younger players and yeah. and it's obviously it's down to the manager down as you say to pick them up and lift their spirits up mm. uh we were talking about the saying that a lot of the younger players sometimes need that arm around them rather that um Mourinho style tough love um so i think you have to read the player and that's part of being a manager you got to mm. be able to adapt to the different players in your change room and i think Oli is probably better than that than we actually think Um, because he's managing some really good or some huge um, egos in that dressing room and um, they're still managing to come out on top every time we think United are down they somehow claw their way back up and I mean every time I thought Ole was going to be out long before Lampard I won't lie Um, and and he's still there and they're almost they're competing for the title yeah uh, you're 100% correct another team that has potential to um they've got two games in hand uh that are playing next is Aston Villa they do seem to to look like they have the potential to compete uh definitely you think they'll be making Europe but they have the quality to probably make it make a charge at you know for that fourth position fifth position Aston Villa and they're playing away to Southampton no 100% I think Aston Villa look really good. I mean, defensively, they look solid. And with Grealish, um, Barkley being there on loan, I think he's looking like a really good player, uh, play, getting game time mm. consistently. Oli Watkins, uh, Traore. I think their team really looks good. And 
they don't have as much football as the other teams. So when it comes to um, Europe, I'm saying this season, mm. the the likes of the the top four, top five, they all have to play in Europe. As whereas Aston Villa can just focus on the league and and the cup. Yeah, yeah, you're hundred percent correct. The the problem is after all this time and as good as Aston Villa have looked on the eye and you feel there's been a drop off in Southampton, which there has been, they are now sitting both on 29 points. Again, it's another game where it's just, you feel like the teams that are right next to each other are playing each other this uh, this week, um, or at least this game week. Southampton, they, they lost 3-1 to Arsenal. They didn't have a great game. They lost 2-0 to Leicester, but that again, that Leicester, that game looked sharp. They looked on Yes, it. they looked really good in that game. And Southampton's last win was obviously against Liverpool. Um, yeah. So, and Aston Villa's last win was against Newcastle. And in the last five games, that's the only two wins when they've had. that has happened. Well, in those 10 games that, that have happened between the, those two teams, those are the last, the, they've only got one win each. How does it change for, how how do the people at St. Mary's, uh, the people in and about in Southampton, your uh, UK hometown when you go there, what do do you think is going to happen for them this week? Yeah, I think Southampton always look dangerous going forward and I feel like they they really like to play play football. Um, So... I'm always of the. I like to see teams play football, even though I am a Chelsea fan. Mm. I do enjoy watching watching other teams play football and play confident football. So I think with that happening with Southampton, um, I think they always have a chance to score and a chance to win games. You can't really win games without scoring. It's obviously Mm. it's quite a simple statement, but it's it's true. And I think both teams have the potential to score. but I think Aston Villa just have a little bit more quality at the moment um, that I think mm. they might actually just nip it. Yeah, it, it's very possible. And look, the Aston Villa, the only game they haven't scored in the last five matches has been the, the City game. They, they've yeah. scored in every other game. Um, Southampton, I mean, they, they got the one consolation goal against Arsenal. Um, too little, too late, kind of, you, you feel. Um, they they didn't manage to break the net against Leicester. They they got the one goal against Liverpool. They drew nil nil with West Ham, and they drew nil nil with uh, Fulham. So goals that where Southampton at the beginning of the season it looked like goals were a lot easier to come by. Uh, I do think with them playing against Aston Villa, Aston Villa who haven't been that sharp in defence. Uh, case in point, their wing backs getting forward, like you were talking about the Creswell. He, he's going to get forward, but as soon as your your fullbacks are coming, there's there's gaps at the back, yeah. and Southampton could exploit that. Yes, a couple of passes, and it's and it's going to be into the goals. But I don't, I don't see Southampton getting a result against Aston Villa. I do see possibly a, a high scoring three two three one Villa direction. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree. I don't think we're going to see a clean sheet. I do have McCarthy, and I've just had him the whole season. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't see any clean sheet coming from from either team. But I I think Villa will win for sure. Okay, uh, off into Sunday and talking about clean sheets. 
uh, a very defensive-minded uh, Burnley uh, against Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea are at home, obviously. A uh, new manager. Yeah. Is it kind of the, a new broom sweeps clean? Do you think uh, there's going to be a, a shift in uh, from a mental mental aspect? Of obviously after um, Frank Frank sent his own direction afterwards, saying thank you, thank you for coming. You've you've bought us a fantastic side. You've you've eyed out players, and now we're going to get somebody else to manage them. Uh, one of the first things that has happened is Kai Havertz, and we did speak about him earlier, change in position off the wing straight through the centre. You did see Pulisic playing on the left for the first time in a long time. And and there was always a feeling that Frank, that I as, again, I'm not a Chelsea supporter, um, you always got, but given I've had so many Chelsea assets in my team, it destroyed my FPL. Um, <laughs> yeah, you always feel that Chelsea were waiting to go off and that Frank was kind of a little bit lost in the front, like he didn't know what he was trying to do there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the the players, he had too many players at the time and I think he didn't really know who he wanted to play where. And as you say, Habits, I think playing as a 10, just the way he plays the game in the Premier League, he can't play out wide just simply because he's not willing to do that tracking back work. Mm. I think in the Premier League, when you play as a as a winger and in most teams, you every now and again, you're going to be asked to do that, that work backwards. And he's not that explosive guy who's, who's probably willing to do that or maybe not willing, but that's not mm. in his nature. I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a little. He's a little bit of a, a lazy defender. Um, yeah. he, he doesn't he doesn't defend from the front kind of thing, uh, and that uh, yes uh, to, and and I don't know if Frank tried to get that into him, and it's it it's very difficult because I, I remember the article when when Kai signed for Chelsea about him playing for his hero, um, you know Frank being one of his heroes. Yeah. Then your hero is busy shouting at you every training thing or after every game saying, listen, you lazy bastard. Mm. Uh, you track back or you don't start kind of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, there is a... there, And, and you speak about it and there, there are a lot of young players and you, 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 you alluded to the fact that you've got to have to have a manager that's going to put his arm around the shoulder. Uh, I don't want to say, you know, you can say like a Jurgen Klopp type thing, but he hugs everyone. Um, yeah. So, but it is kind of that feeling that you think that the young guys need. They need to have a manager, even when they've had a bad game. You know that that's going to come out there. It's going to say, "Listen, you know, it's not not the worst in the world that has happened. Um, it things could be worse. Uh, you could be Frank Lampard and get sacked." Um, the difference is, Chelsea are now playing against a team, one a team that has. He is one of four teams to have won the last two games in a row. Um, Burnley ha- are on the back of two two big victories. They have yeah. beat Liverpool. They have beat Aston Villa. And now they travel to Chelsea. Chelsea, obviously, you know, where, where do you think as a fan, or what do you expect from this? If you have to take the blinders off, take the bias off for a second, realistic kind of thing, what do you think you're going to get out of this game? Yeah, well, I think if you look at Chelsea and how we've played 
obviously we can't really talk about the new manager yet because we haven't seen enough of him, but we've battled to break teams down. We've lacked creativity and Burnley have been looking... Uh, I, I know the last game against Aston Villa was a bit of a goal fest, but normally they, they're quite solid at the back. So they're going to sit back and play off on the counter and that's where Chelsea normally battle. So mm. if I had to give an unbiased opinion, I would say it's... It, you're probably looking at a draw and even with Bernie's form, they might even nick something on the counter um, the way Chelsea have been defending recently. Okay. It's very, it's very sad that you say that, especially because you're a Chelsea fan. You can, <laughs> you can never quite leave your bias as I always speak to Jeremy about that. He needs to, to back his Newcastle, even, even, even in the, even in the face of obvious and imminent, uh, losses that are coming their direction you got you have to believe that your team can get the result and the fact that you can get that ob- um that objective about it to say you know what burnley probably it's going to be a draw or burnley might nick it i feel slightly differently i i like the idea and you you usually have that feel good factor that eventually comes you know a change is as good as a holiday before the dust settles and the new manager um, gets his um, his style of play in, you kind of feel that every player kind of feels like, listen, it's a fresh start. I'm going to play amazing, and then I'm always going to be in the starting lineup. And for that reason, that's why I think Kai was um, he he showed his potential in the last game. And again, trying to break down Wolves, which is a defensive minded team. Burnley is a defensive minded team. You have the players like a Mason Mount that can attack that Burnley goal and put Pope to to the test from distance. Um, you have that potential, and for that very reason, I think Chelsea might might break the Burnley run and walk away quite comfortable, comfortable winners with with yeah. a goal haulier. We'll have to see. I think I definitely from watching the. The, the previous game, the first game for, for the new manager, Thomas Deschel, mm. I think you could instantly see that the players were definitely trying to press more. Um, I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but for me watching, and I've watched obviously pretty much all the games for Chelsea this season, mm. um, and I could see that they were definitely trying to press more. But in possession, the, it was the same as under Lampard. Obviously, you can't really <laughs> complain because the managers had one training session with them before that game. Yeah. But it was still, it was a lot of possession, but not a lot of creativity, not a lot mm. of chances. And so that's what's got to change. And there's enough players, as you say, who can create chances. I mean, he's worked with Pulisic before. He he was the one who gave him his debut in Dortmund when he was 17. Mm. So he knows Pulisic. Um, he's worked with uh, Thiago Silva before. He's He said that he's really admired Kante and always wanted to work with him before. Yeah, um, what, a player. So, what a player. So I think I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with the players. And everyone knows that at, obviously at PSG and at Dortmund he plays a high-pressing game. Mm. And the players are going to obviously have to get fit first before he can want to play that that type of game. Yeah, for sure. Talking about teams, uh, the, a team that doesn't have a problem creating chances. Yes, piss poor in defence. Let's call a spade a spade. Leeds <laughs> are playing Leicester. Uh, they they travel to to the Foxes. Um, and I'll tell you what, man. 
that Rafina and Rodrigo for Leeds. Yeah. I I know again I don't want to say it was against weaker opposition being Newcastle. But they <laughs> looked on it. And I and, and Andreas I remember Andreas and Jeremy both the same week on two separate conversations are like Rafina for for Leeds. He's gonna be the man. Uh you started to see it. Um it's almost a time when you might consider and I don't know if Bamford is just off currently. If if he's not if he's not feeling it, but uh, you, you're thinking, look, I had Stuart Dallas in, and apart from his handball goal, <laughs> if you, you saw that thing, <laughs> yes, um, yeah, yeah, at least you know the, their defender is running through the middle of the 18 yard box. He is the furthest player forward. Y- you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Leeds is gonna go out there. They, they're always that potential to, uh, to you can get goals from from anywhere on from from the Leeds outfit, but they are going to be playing against the Foxes. Um, Leicester do come off a one-one draw against Everton. Um, obviously, that some very important wins uh, that they did have prior to that beating Southampton and beating Chelsea. Yeah. Does that change this the, this game? Is is um, Leicester almost guaranteed a three points against Leeds? Yeah, I think I don't think it's a guaranteed three points. I think um, I do have Justin from Leicester, who I always hope for a clean sheet, but he normally ends up coming with those attacking returns mm. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't think he'll get the clean sheet here, as you say. Leeds, Rafinha. Um, I think that's something the artist again would approve uh, when you talk about Bamford and Rafinha, if people who watch the games, uh, if you watch the games, Bamford doesn't get that many chances. He's not as involved in the game as he was at the beginning. He does score a goal just out of the blue. You know, he'll be there at the right spot. I mean, that's obviously a good trait to have. Whereas Rafinha will be driving, taking the ball forward, um, getting things going. So I think they'll, they'll, I think it'll be a tough game. I do think Leicester will win, but it's by no. I don't think it's a guaranteed easy win, especially without Jamie Vardy for Leicester. Yeah, but the, you see, the thing is, they've got. You, you feel like uh, Leicester have got the players like the Harvey Barnes out there, uh, Tillemans, can Madison's can, in Madison. form now. Exactly. It's just you feel that because they don't just have Vardy. If it was just Vardy. You think Leeds would know who to defend against? Yeah. But because Vardy isn't there, they're like, oh, well, you know, we have to defend against multiple people, and because we have to yeah. defend against multiple people, it's uh, it it becomes very difficult. So Leeds can't Ye- bomb as far forward. And again, I'm not saying Leeds don't score. I'm I'm convinced Leeds score goals. I just don't see them outscoring Leicester. This no, hundred percent. I I agree with you. I do. S- I do agree that Leicester will win, but in saying that, Vardy, you do un- maybe underestimating Vardy a little bit uh, by saying um, when he's missing or when he's playing, those defenders are really aware of his pace. So that yeah. might give the other players the space that they actually afforded uh, to do as well as they do. Um, and obviously with him not being there, the, mm-hmm. the actual defenders get to mark the Madisons and the, and the Barnes. Maybe so, you're right. Um, I, I, I still do agree and I do definitely see Leicester winning but I see in the long term I, 
I do have Barnes and and Justin, but I'm worried that Barnes might not get as many points with Bardi not being there. Okay. Uh, you Look, who knows in, in the FPL, especially this FPL <laughs> season, who knows. But one thing we can be sure about is the fact that uh, Brendan Rodgers obviously is doing something right at Leicester and Leicester are a force that are not going away anytime soon. They, they're they Champions League material. 100%. I think you saw last season they probably battled a bit because they were in Europe and they probably didn't have as a, a strong a th- um, depth squad. in the squad, yeah. So I think now that they can just focus again, as I said with Aston Villa, that you underestimate with these... With these quick game weeks, this, these smaller, even though they have small squads, they're only focusing on one game per week. So I think um, it's it's very helpful. And Leicester, yeah, have looked really good, and they can definitely play in that Champions League for sure. Now, now look, stop! It's hammer time. Uh, West Ham versus West Ham versus <laughs> Liverpool over here. Um, another again, Moyes has done fantastic things, but he is he has a terrible record against Liverpool and I suppose that's kind of when you you as as a Liverpool fan you're you're holding out for something like that but all good things must come to an end uh, at some point if yeah. if the Liverpool that turned up against Tottenham turns up again that they they again and you've seen it the the type of pressure that uh, that high press that Liverpool do that that incessant um wave of of uh, attack coming forward where they have in the games that they haven't been scoring they've lacked the creativity in the end. as as long as that last little bit of creativity is there i i don't think they apart from man city i don't believe there's a team in the premier league that holds a candle to the the man city and the liverpool when they're on form however liverpool this season especially they have gone through very much a downturn and they have to build on to the uh, Tottenham result. On the other side of that, West Ham have given, they have been putting in the results, they've been putting in the work, then they've been getting the points. And it's two points that separate the two teams right now. West Ham, they've come off a win against Everton. They, they've beat Burnley, who have been tough to break down. They beat West Brom when they uh, have, again, West Brom haven't been that doesn't look easy to break down West Brom since the uh, um, since the return or the introduction of Sam Allardyce, and then they got the result against Crystal Palace as well. So you know that they can go out there, you know they can score goals, and Liverpool will give them opportunities. And with that, Mikel Antonio, man, sure, in for in for a corker of a game there. No, hundred percent. I think both teams are well. West Ham are probably in better form than Liverpool, um, mm. but I think us just with seeing Liverpool play the way they did against Spurs, you just at the back of your mind, you just know that on their day they could perform like that, and I don't think West Ham would be able to to handle that if they perform at their at their best, and um, I'm probably gonna end up captaining Salah this weekend even though it's I do think it's it could be a tight game but I mm. think with Salah not having scored in in a, in a while I think Liverpool looked so good against Spurs even though they gave up some chances I think they'll they'll still 
Look, take it against West Ham. Yeah, you're probably right there. Uh, and Salah, I mean, obviously he did put the ball in the back and then what a finish it was, although it wasn't, uh, it was a handball. And look, I'm, I don't even want to get into my dislike for VAR. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I thought the, the Sun thing comes down yeah. to one of those things, that first goal that Sun scored, it was... I'm still of the opinion that there needs to be a leeway and that would have actually landed being a goal I would have allowed um, uh, going back to the VAR later on in the game where it hits, uh, I think, who who was, who was holding on to Firmino? Um, was, it, was it Dyer? It could have been Dyer. Anyway, so he's holding on to him <laughs> and you look at this at VAR, he's practically hugging him. It hits his arm and then goes into Firmino's arm and which I thought, okay, well, obviously it's a handball. I mean, there's no question there. For me, and rightly so, the goal was disallowed. But what I what was interesting to me was that they never took it back, as it were the first handball defence was um, was a Tottenham player. So there, there is a very much a thing that that gets to me when it comes to you know obviously the giving up the chances going forward. And I think the game could have been very different if VAR wasn't in there. However, what you are saying is a top quality Liverpool at their best compared to a West Ham at their best Liverpool win that game but Liverpool have prior to getting the yep. result against Tottenham uh, I think they 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 lost to Burnley they drew with Manchester United they lost to Southampton yep. they drew with Newcastle and they drew with West Brom very yeah, difficult to I think see their form hasn't really hasn't been good uh, in recent times hmm. and um I know that they're missing centre backs, but funny enough, they've actually been battling to score, yeah. um, which is really weird for for Liverpool. Um, but I, I think you say battling team... to score; they've scored forty goals in the Premier League this season, top scorers so far. It's, it's madness, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you're right; they have been battling to score in those previous games. Don't know what happens. Yeah, I think I think is it the last four games or before the Spurs games they might not have scored a goal. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't score against Burnley. They drew nil nil with uh, Manchester United. Um, they lost one nil to lost Southampton. They drew nil nil with Newcastle. And they then back on the twenty seventh of December last year, they drew one one with West Brom. It has been yes. that tough. So yeah, this was the first goals they scored in twenty twenty one. Was now yeah. against uh, was against Tottenham. It's crazy. Well, at least in the Premier League. Yes, yes, in the Premier League and and. And um, that's obviously very unlike a Liverpool side. As mm. you say, they've scored 40 goals this season. They've scored seven um, this season. They're normally very fluent going forward. We actually thought defensively they'd have more problems. But maybe because those midfielders are dropping into those defensive players, maybe they are lacking the defensive or the, the midfielders to create that going forward. But as I say, I, I still think Liverpool at their best... Um, as they were against Spurs, I think they'll they'll take um, West Ham. But I do think that they will concede. I think, as you say, Antonio, Cresswell, dangerous from West Ham. Mm. Um, they can definitely score, and Liverpool will uh, will definitely give you opportunities with all the attacking players yeah. going forward. They'll there'll be opportunities for Antonio to exploit. Yeah, hundred percent correct. And I think this is the uh, it will be a game for the attackers. It will be who outscores who in this game. Yeah. And to be totally honest with you, I actually I'm not as a Liverpool fan. Usually, I'm I'm pretty confident. I know what's going to happen. Um, I'm, well, obviously prior to 
in December. Um, <laughs> I'd be pretty confident that I know what's going to happen. But the truth is, when I look at a game like this and I'm looking at West Ham, who was everyone's second favorite team back in the 90s, and, and uh, if they keep a play like this, they can turn into a lot of people's favorite team. Um, yeah. I can see something as, as high as a 3-3. But uh, because I'm a, because I'm a Liverpool man, five um, three to Liverpool, and you said yeah I've got Salah too. So I, I don't know maybe because <laughs> you maybe because you're telling me I should be captaining Salah, and you know obviously you're you're a perennial contender as well in in the FPL. <laughs> maybe I should be uh, taking taking your advice and it's captaining that man. <laughs> you know how competitive Salah and Mane are and Salah hasn't scored in five or six games in the Premier League. So, I mean, he's bound to score soon, isn't he? Mm. You, you think so, but let, let me tell you though, and, and it probably will happen. There, there is no doubt in my mind, although Salah is obviously the FPL asset that you look forward to, Mane is, is the best of the, of the three up front. Yeah, you, I, I don't know. I think... He does look silkier, but he also looks clumsy at times. I think last night was a big example of that. I saw I saw the difference between Son and him. As mm. in the first chance that he got, he blasted his pass, no composure really. And Son, it looked so easy. He, it was mm. never when Son was running, I knew he was going to score. Like it, I, you, you have that feeling about him. Score. Yeah. Whereas when Mane is running towards the goal. You know he could blast it in the stands. That that that's in it, or he could. I don't. But know. you I think he? Like but yeah, I'll tell you what. When you before a game starts, let's say it's not a Liverpool Tottenham against each other. Who do you think is going to create and more chances and take more shots at the goal? Sonno Sonno Mane, and the answer is going to be Mane. I think probably Mane. Yeah, just because they're more attacking. Yeah, but he's also. I mean, the way that he works. I don't believe you've seen in the games. Um, I think a case in point it was against Chelsea. Mane chasing down uh, who? Who is your your it was your great goalie? Christensen. Oh, pardon. Who was the great goalie there for Chelsea back in the day? Oh, Kepa. Yeah, yeah. He chased him <laughs> down and and picked that ball up there. Um, yeah. But you see, you won't. See, I don't think you'll see Son doing that. Mane. Oh, Mane works. Oh. Mane works harder than Son. It's really arguable. I think Son works his socks off. If you see the deep runs that he makes and working back. Yeah, I think he works when he's, uh, when he's got the ball and he's knowing that somebody's passing it to him. And, and that especially comes with a Kane type thing. And, uh, but on a bad day, you, you saw he was locked out in the Liverpool game. Yeah. And I think uh, if, if Liverpool are losing, you'd still see that Mane will be driving he'll be going back he'll and then he'll be driving that ball forward he'll be picking the ball up in the final third and then taking it all the way or driving to the other side of the field and i think that's the difference and that's why mane is obvious for me when i look at a liverpool team i think uh, out the front three he is he is the superstar for me um because his work rate is so much higher for the team as opposed yeah. to an individual um, goal of uh, trying to just work for himself, and that being that being said, uh, I think Salah gives more Sissimone does. It's madness. It's yeah, but from an FPL point of view, you'd rather have Salah because 100%. he's way more selfish. Exactly. So that's what you want to see in an FPL player. Yeah, 
That, that, that's what I'm saying. FPL sellers sellers a man out of FPL money, money all day for me. Okay, yeah. talking about uh, a man that is that we, that you say does work that hard. He's going to have to work that hard by himself, and possibly yeah. he's going to be partnering up with Gareth Bale up front or. or Lucas Moura, I don't know what's going to happen, but Spurs are playing Brighton. And and you pretty much, you look at this game and you you don't think Brighton get the result. Get result. Spurs go out there. Um, they're obviously, they've been following a, a pattern of win, draw, win, loss, and now possibly another win again because there's no ways Mourinho is going to allow um, two, two back-to-back poor results. No, I agree. I think um, the goals that they conceded against Liverpool were really sloppy goals, I think. Um, he, he would have been really fuming about some of those goals they conceded. I mean, Liverpool outplayed them, don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, they definitely deserved to win that game. But I, I think that those goals could have been avoided. And um, they'll definitely come back strong against Brighton. I think even without Kane, they have too much firepower. As you say, it will be interesting to see who he lines up with. I think Bergwijn's played really well recently. He's also one of those hard workers. So I think he'll probably start and Lucas Moura will probably play as well. So that might be a good combination to see. I think a lot of people have Son in their team. Um, And um, I was hoping that that first goal was allowed against Liverpool as well. Mm. Um, but um, I think he'll definitely get some returns against Brighton. With with Kane being out, a lot of the play is going to have to go through him. I think he's he's going to be quite explosive. Now, let me tell you, if, if I was supporting the Lily Whites, I'd have probably one gripe about this. Um, you, 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 there, is, there is a false sense of... Um, uh, that do you look at Tottenham and you think you know they're 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 definitely a an attacking side, but they're obviously they're more they're more potent up front in terms of taking obviously their opportunities. They they take their opportunities better because yeah. against Liverpool, I, I think they took three attempts at goal. Um, you you have to go then. Who did they play before that? They played Sheffield. Yeah, Sheffield. They they took one less opportunity, uh, one less shot goal attempt than Sheffield. Um, prior to that, they played Fulham. They took the same opportunities. Uh, two more shots on goal though, and then against Leeds, as far back when they did win three nil, they took two more shots on goal than Leeds did. And then, like I say, you go back to the Liverpool game. Unless, if if their if their attack is closed down, Liverpool took fourteen shots and seven on target uh, against Tottenham, and Tottenham came out and took three shots all game, and they were playing at home. Yeah, there there is there there is there is a slight problem there. Um, you you then you know, if you just look at those statistics. And that you think to yourself is, Brighton are going to take just as many shots at Tottenham as Tottenham are going to take against them. Yeah. And who's going to have the better finishing? And with Kane over there, you think, well, for sure, Tottenham. With Mm. Kane and Son over there, you think, you know, it's going to come from one or the other. But now it's just Son, and you're not sure who's going to be backing Son up. Mm. 
if if Sun gets the right ball, it's goals all day. He, he's a he's he's a tremendous finisher, tremendous finisher. Yeah. If he gets in that space in front of him, and he gets to run, he's going to get goals. Brighton, Brighton are fighting to obviously. They they're obviously looking that they need to need to turn this around. They need to start getting some results. Uh, they need to get back to the form that they showed the potential that they had, but they but they haven't done it. Is this a game that Brighton looks at and says, you know what, Spurs are gonna uh, the Spurs are gonna sit back and the Spurs sit back is gonna give us the opportunity to get um, a momentum type of thing, a little bit more confidence, taking more shots, uh, giving uh, allowing us to work the ball a little bit more. Yes, we we run the risk of the counter attack because you don't think that Tottenham is. And the thing is, if Tottenham ca- comes out and tries to put Brighton to the sword from the onset, I think. You know, Tottenham walk the game. Yeah, and yeah. So for me, for me, if uh, without Kane on the field, this is the first time I'm looking at Spurs and I'm looking at Brighton and thinking to myself, you know, what Spurs. Spurs are looking looking down the, the barrel of what could be the start of a poor run. Yeah, I think um, there are some players that are that have caught my eye for Spurs that I think maybe. Other people haven't noticed. I think Ndombele is really creative in the midfield. Um, mm. I think he's he's a box-to-box player. I think Sissoko really powerful, also creative going forward. They might not have the finishing power as a Kane, for example. But as you're saying, um, Son needs some sort of supply. I think um, that's that's where I still think that Spurs might just have that that supply that comes through from their midfielders with, with Mora, with Bergwijn, maybe Bale. Um, but definitely um, without Kane in the side, Spurs do look a lot weaker. And we saw that just from the first half to the second half. Mm. I'm not too sure of the stats of when those three shots were taken. But if we look at them, um, I'm sure they must have been taken. Uh, I know Ho- Hoiberg scored in the second half, but mm. I'm sure the other two might have been in the first half when, or they definitely looked more dangerous when Kane was on. Yeah, in that first at least half. the, the go forward ball was there. They were getting the ball forward into into the Liverpool's half in in an attacking fashion. And as soon as Kane was off the field, the <laughs> and when they were one 0 behind, yeah, the the the, the Hoiberg goal came back so quickly. Look, Martin Tyler celebrated that. It was it was amazing to hear <laughs> a commentator enjoy a goal so much. And look, it was a great goal. Uh, it, it's just you really thought they would have picked up a momentum from that. If yeah. you're if you're a Spurs fan, you know I'm I'm trying to be objective here. The, you'd assume there would be a momentum shift over there. Listen, they scored against us. We score immediately. We're showing them that we're still in the game, and then we're going to come at them now. They never came at Liverpool after that. No, hundred percent, and that's why I agree because we were watching the game yesterday, and we were saying the exact same thing as. Even when Liverpool scored the second and Hoiberg scored straight away, you still felt, or I felt, that Liverpool was still going to win the game mm. without Kane on the field. As you say, they, that goal came out of the blue, really. Um, and um, I think Liverpool looked really good in possession yesterday and Tottenham were, were poor without Kane. But I think it, you must remember they were playing a Liverpool side who are the champions of England. So yeah, who have just come off compared. the fact that they hadn't scored a goal all January. <laughs> yeah, well, I think 
we know what quality Liverpool have in their team, though, and they can always turn it on when they play well. They can always score goals, and I think it's just, it's going to be the same for that Spurs team. If if they if they can get that ball to Son, Son will create chances, and or if Son will have to take those chances and create them himself if need be. We've seen him yeah. do that before yeah. as well. He has that he has that massive potential. Um, just something else I want to allude to, where I was telling you that obviously Tottenham against Fulham were pretty much uh, the same amount of uh, shots at goal all game. Brighton took probably 150% more shots uh, against Fulham than uh, Fulham took against them. So you're looking at one and a half times the, the amount of shots. So you know Brighton have the have got the attack in them. And I think this game might be poised for for Brighton to to obviously attack the attack Spurs. And I think Spurs need to Mourinho needs to change something up. He doesn't have the same players he had when he was playing one nil football at Chelsea at the beginning. He doesn't have that rock solid defense. And he doesn't have a player like Kante in the team. Because I mean that if you, every great team has a great defensive midfielder, and who does Tottenham have in their defensive midfield that that you look and go, that guy's amazing? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think it might play into Spurs' hands that Brighton want to attack as well. I think uh, the counter attackers when they look more effective, and and you talk about shots and having shots. I mean. Chelsea have a lot of shots when we when we play football and they never look like scoring. So shots can be very deceiving. Mm. Um, I think big chances, if you look at the shots that Spurs take or get, you say that they're clinical, but it's probably because of the chance that they created. It's a 2v1. It's an easy goal, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so for sure. that's, that's why maybe they're low on shots, but... Those shots are, are guaranteed goals per se. Um, yeah, but, but those I two guys, and you say the two v one, the two guys are up front is Kane and Son at that and time. Son. And two, and Kane is probably the most natural finisher in the English Premier League for, yeah. for I don't know, last four seasons. Who who is a better natural finisher than than Harry Kane? Uh, I think. Well, do you mean currently or in the Premier League? In the previous? Premier, well, you had natural finishes in the last in the last decade. I mean, I think Van Nistelrooy was unbelievable. I said decade. I'm not saying not saying <laughs> century. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yes, yeah, no, but 100. percent I agree. Kane, uh, he, he, if you look at him, you'll never think he's a footballer. He looks awkward sometimes when he runs with the ball, but he'll always be. Uh, in the right position and somehow get the ball into the goal where he's off balance, he'll, he's back to the goal. It doesn't matter. He will get the ball into the goal, yeah. I think. And I think Vardy's that, quite similar, but yeah, um, obviously sure. Kane on a, on a different level, I think. Yeah, and, and, that, uh, that's the, and then for that reason, I think uh, my score prediction, Brighton versus Spurs, Brighton 2-1. Oh, I don't think I'm going to go against against Spurs, but I appreciate looking for the upsets. Um, I think I think Spurs will win. I think I'll go the opposite way, 2-1 to Spurs. Okay. So uh, just to end this off, because you're a Chelsea man, uh, a London man, obviously, for that reason, 
Uh, West Ham are in front of you guys by five points. Tottenham <laughs> in front of you guys by three points. The only other London team you're in front of is Arsenal, um, and that's purely by goal difference. Um, you should be hoping for a Liverpool win and a, and a Brighton win, so you can you can at least get to the top of the London table. <laughs> yeah, I think Chelsea really. We'll have to see what we can do this weekend. Um, I think. The other London teams are really starting to play well, so Chelsea mm. need to step up again. Okay. Well, listen, Mr. Nash Pether, have yourself a fantastic weekend. Green arrows all the way. And to all our listeners, green arrows to you guys as well. And all the best for the weekend. We'll catch you after the weekend, and we'll have much to talk about. Cheers, cheers. <laughs>